I want you to look to your neighbor on your left and say, you may not be okay. Look to your neighbor on your right and say, you may not be okay. And then look at yourself and say, I might be lost. I've been in the Baptist church for 41 years and I'm only 40. I think I know what it means to be Baptist. I think I know what it means to be a Christian. In the churches that I was reared, which were very similar to this one and similar to what you would find in all walks of Baptist life and for that matter evangelical life, to be a follower, to be a Christian is to be a follower of Jesus. But a lot of times it has been equated with believing the right things. In other words, if you believe like me, then you're in my camp. If you believe like me and we're like-minded, then you're okay. But if you dare to believe outside of what I deem as orthodox or what I deem as okay, then you're lost. Now, over the years, there's different terms that we've used to describe that. Uh, when we want to demonize somebody of an opposing viewpoint, we will either call them a liberal or we'll call them a fundamentalist conservative. Uh, and now we've gotten better at it. So we'll call someone and we'll say, well, they're a conservative or they're a progressive. The truth is that truth, that theology, that the study of God, the things that we believe, they are neither liberal nor conservative. They're either right or they're wrong. And a lot of times you and I don't know exactly what to believe about things. And that doesn't mean that there's not an absolute truth about what those things might be. But if you've been in Baptist church or you've been in evangelical circles as long as I have and a lot longer for many of you, sometimes we have bought into the idea that really the demonstration of the Christian life, the the envelopment of the Christian life, or if we had to define the Christian life, it is a life of service. It is a life of doing. And for many of us, we have been busy, 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 busy for decades. And a lot of times through that process, we've bought into the idea that doing is the same as being. That doing the right thing is sufficient. That doing is the belief in itself. Because, we'll say, faith without works is dead, to quote the scripture. But over the years, there have been a lot of people, I've had a lot of leaders under me, a lot of deacons, a lot of Sunday school teachers, a lot of lay leadership. I've worked with a, 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 you know, a, a number of staff people. And I've noticed that on many fronts, in many arenas, down many avenues and many journeys, and in particular, I'm going to recall 
a particular conversation I had with a deacon at a church where I served who had served in that role for a number of decades, who was esteemed highly by those around him, who always was encouraging and fun-loving and just fun to be with. But as he got up in years and his mental faculties were not as sharp as what they had once been and he was able to recognize that, we were out on a fishing boat, he and I by ourselves, and he made this following statement. Todd, I hope that in the end that I've done enough to go to heaven. I was floored. And some of you in this room would say, well, I don't, I don't really see what's wrong with that. I mean, because a litmus test of your faith is doing. Doing and being are two different things. We do what we do as a demonstration of what God has done through Jesus Christ in our hearts and minds. Now, I've been, some, I've been in some churches, I've pastored a church where it was all about doing and not really about being. They would have given you the shirt off of their back. They would have engaged the culture for socially to provide meals and to provide help, to provide assistance. But they didn't couple that with the tools of the gospel or the gospel message. I've been in others that are all about giving them Jesus, but don't really give them physically what they so desperately need. It's very hard to talk about Jesus as the bread of life when the people that you're talking to struggle to have food on their table. I hope that what I've done has been enough. Service is equated with holiness. Service is equated because I was busy in life, because I was busy for Jesus then somehow that's going to equal the blessing of eternity for the kingdom. And there's many of us in this room, no doubt, that have bought into that lie. That by doing, you somehow seal your fate and your ticket to spend eternity with Jesus. Now, on the other end... There are those who have divorced doing and they've absolutely sold themselves out with merely believing, having the right ideas about Jesus, having the right, we call the church word, doctrine about Jesus. And they can tell you about the doctrine of Christ. They can tell you about his humanity, his divinity. They can tell you all the details, the historical facts of Jesus. They can talk about intellectually what it means to serve Jesus, what, it, what the scripture means. They can go back and they, they can dissect every aspect of the scripture. They can quote you what it would have been in the Greek. They can quote you what it would have been in the Hebrew. They can quote you those lines of scripture that are in Aramaic or those that were informed by Ugaritic, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And if you're here this morning and you don't know what Ugaritic is, don't worry about it. <laughs> and they have become what I will call modern-day Gnostics. They know a lot about God. They know a lot about God as revealed in the person of Jesus. But my friends, they don't know Him. 
The world is full of people that know a lot about everything. But the interesting call of Jesus is not nearly to know more. It's to know Him. Service is what we are, not merely what we do. If you look in verse 24 of the passage, John chapter 12, after Jesus says the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified, He says, Very truly I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies... It remains only a single seed, but if it dies, it produces many seeds. We are that kernel. We are that seed. And unless you and I die, we will never produce the harvest that God has intended to produce through us. Service is what we are. It is not merely what we do. Dying to self is foundational to the Christian life, to being a follower of Jesus. Right beliefs do not necessarily lead to right behavior. If you need an example, you could just talk to me. I'm a person that was reared in the church. I had all the right beliefs. I never believed in heresy. At least it wasn't my intentions. Now I have been labeled a heretic by some, but that's okay, because a heretic is anyone that doesn't agree with you. That's what a heretic is, okay? And so I've been, I've been branded a heretic, but I listen, I've always tried to be centered in the right belief, and I've had the right beliefs pretty much my entire life. In fact, when I was ordained, as I was sitting amongst that panel of people and my wife was in the room, one of the things that really caused them drama is because, you know, I could tell you everything there was to know about the divinity of Christ, about the, the work of the Holy Spirit, give you all the answers to the doctrine, go back through the church councils, go back through the, uh, the, the church fathers, tell you who quoted what. I could tell you what Erasmus thought. I could tell you what, I could tell you what Origen thought. I could tell you what Augustine of Hippo thought. I could tell you all these people, St. Thomas Aquinas and all these others that influenced the theology and the belief system that we have now. Even I could talk to you about Karl Barth and I could talk to you all about Rudolf Bultmann and all these other names of people that many lay people don't ever engage with. I could give you an answer to the knowledge that was within me. But when they asked me, how did you become a believer? I made the statement, I said, I've never known life without Jesus. And that greatly troubled them. It greatly troubled them because what they were looking for is a moment in time where I had come to know Christ. Why were they looking for that moment in time? And in fact, an exact moment, hour, second, and date. And I couldn't give them a date. Because they were so regimented and so trained to look for what they believed was the litmus test of faith. That they failed to know that some people, and some of you in this very room, you don't know the exact day. I just know that over a season of time, I became very aware that God is in control. And I'm not, even though sometimes I've tried to be. That when I sin in a very elementary state of function, that every time we sin, 
What we are doing is if God is on his throne and he's ruler and Lord over all of our lives as people who are followers of Jesus, every time I sin, what I'm doing is I'm kicking God to the curb and saying, I think I know better about this situation. I think I'm going to do what I want to do because I desire what I want to do and what I want to do matters because in this world in which we live and the culture in which we have developed, it's all about me. So every time we sin, we're kicking God to the curb. Now, I don't know about you, but that kind of affects my view of sin. Sin may be fun. That's why we struggle to have our allegiance to Christ. But when we understand sin as kicking God to the curb, there are very few people that don't believe in God that would want to kick God to the curb just to cross their T and dot their I to make sure they don't offend the potential for the Holy One. And so I didn't fit the paradigm. I had all the right beliefs growing up, but right beliefs didn't always lend itself for me to choose right behavior. And I'm not saying that right beliefs are not important. I'm not saying that right doctrine is not important. But doctrines don't save. Jesus does. And there's a difference between what we believe and what we do. Hopefully there's a correlation of the two. There's a similarity between the two. But they're not one and the same. Service is what we are rather than what we do. And if you are a person that thinks, is thinking to yourself, I just hope when I get to the end of my journey of life that I've done enough, I've said enough, I've been nice enough, that God's going to let me in. And what I want to tell you is, If you are that person today, you will spend eternity separated from God. Because it's not about doing. It's not about the sum total of your good deeds weighed against the sum total of your bad deeds or your deeds that are indifferent. It's about knowing Jesus. And not just knowing knowledge. Knowing Him. Discipleship is not based on our knowledge of Jesus. Discipleship is based, that is, our fellowship of Jesus is based on our devotion to Jesus and not on a particular belief or doctrine. And so my second point is this, that because of that, we struggle between our beliefs, our personal beliefs, and our personal relationship with God. And I've thought a long, long and hard about this over a number of years. And the reality is, whether you are a believer or whether you're not a believer, if you're in our culture today, there are many people, listen, at every college campus, every major institution, have causes that you and I can join. You and I can enjoy them. You and I can join them. You you and I can wave the banner for whatever cause we want to do. And in this day and time, there are many in the local church that are far more willing to take up the cause rather than to take up Jesus. I want you to think about it. Think about our world. We are more divisive, more divided today than ever before in modern history. Every night I watch the news. Every night, whether it's CBS, CNN, MSNBC, Fox, whatever. 
It's the same wah, 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 wah. And some are here and some are there and they're not going to come together. In fact, not only are they not going to come together, not only are they not going to work together, but they are going to demonize the others. Why? Because they're far more faithful to their cause than they're faithful, than, than faithful to the one who calls. And in the church, similar thing happens. Many churches, good God-fearing people, and this gentleman, this deacon that I talked to some years ago, he was a God-fearing man. He was being very authentic and transparent and honest about his relationship with God. I just hope when all is said and done that what I've done has been good enough to get me in. As if salvation is like sliding into home plate at the last second, making sure you tag the base. So many churches, so many pastors have made belief the experience of the Christian life. You must believe these things in order to be like Jesus. And so we're devoted to so many causes rather than being devoted to Jesus Christ. The secret of our Christian life is total reliance on Jesus. We, like the seed that falls on the ground must die in order to birth new life. And the life that we birth is not just our own. When that seed falls, it produces a plant that produces more and more. Because God has not called us to be pretty. God has called us to change the landscape around us. To take that land which is barren, which is not producing anything. To take that land where there is no growth. And to die in the midst of it into a world that is going to hell in a handbasket. In order to bring life in the midst of the darkness. Green living in the midst of the brown dying. And so today, we have to understand that this barren land, it becomes fruitful and full of life when we devote ourselves not to a cause, but to Jesus. Many of us in the church struggle with what's right and what's wrong. And we try to rationalize truth to fit our own conscience, to fit our own choice or pattern of behavior. And the reason we do is because we have bought into, I think, one of Satan's biggest schemes. That if we have the right belief, it will lead to the right behavior. If you're here this morning and you struggle with discerning right and wrong, Perhaps it's because you put your allegiance and your devotion to a list of things to believe rather than Jesus Christ who believes in you. For many of us, if the Christian faith were a baseball game, 
as I alluded to earlier. If it were a baseball game and we were up to bat, the pitch could be high, the pitch could be low, the pitch could be to the left or the pitch could be to the right. It makes no matter, makes no difference what the pitch is. When you're up to bat, you need to hit the ball. And so when we come up to bat, we hit it. And we hit it pretty hard. And it soars over the pitcher's mound. It soars over shortstop. It soars in the middle of center field. And the guy in center field is counting rocks around him. He doesn't even notice that you've hit the ball. And you go around first. And you head towards second. And you look as you, as you round the bases of second base. You look over your shoulder. And you see that the guy is going to pick up the ball and you're rounding towards third and as you round third you're focused on home plate and home plate is your prize and you can sense honestly you can sense the air on the ball that has left that outfield as it rushes in towards that home plate so that you will you will be called out at home plate but you you listen you run with all of your might. You run with diligence. You've rounded all of those bases and you are set your course on the prize that lies before you. You want to score. You want to make a run. And so you throw yourself at home plate just in the nick of time. And there's a cloud of smoke there's a cloud of dust all around you as you slide into home and that ball comes in as you're sliding and that catcher is positioned in the right place at the right time and the crowd around you, those saints of God that have cheered you on all this time, they believe that you're safe because they saw you slide into that plate and they believe that you slid into that plate before the catcher ever got the ball to tag you out. As the dust settles, your team goes wild. Your team at the church, because you have finished and you have finished well and you have scored a run for your team. But out of that pandemonium and out of that chaos and out of all that dust, when that dust settles, you can hear the faint cry of the umpire that says, you are out. You're out. And you're not out because you missed the base at home plate. You're not out because the catcher got to you before you got to home plate. You're out because you never tagged first base when you went past it. What's first base? Huh. It's not the right belief. It's Jesus. Some of you have passed by first base. You were in the vicinity of it. You were so close, but you never tagged it. You never knocked on the door. The door was never open to you, not because God did not desire for you to know Him, but because you never took the initiative. And you bought into Satan's lie. Well, you know what? I'll continue on the second base. I'll get involved in the life of the church. I'll become a deacon. I'll become a Sunday school teacher. I'll become a lay leader. I'll be involved in prison ministry. I'll just be a good person. I won't lie, cheat, or steal. I'll do whatever it takes to raise my family in the life of the church. I will help other people. I will give money to the poor. I'll feed people at Thanksgiving. I'll do any a number of these causes in order to secure my fate. 
have to end. You see, you can get involved in church life. You can be a nice guy. You can be an attractive young lady. You can be a good person. You can help people. You can impact people. You can preach the gospel. You can teach His Word. Only to be told at the end that you're out because you never made a commitment to know Jesus. I think that the church is full of people that were so close. But you see, when it comes to following Jesus, it's not about being close to Him. It's about embracing Him and being embraced by Him. So you can have the right belief. You can smile when it's appropriate to smile. You can give when it's appropriate to give. You can be a dynamic influencer. You can impact people's lives all day long. But if your life has not been impacted by Jesus Christ, you will spend eternity in hell. What is hell? It is complete and total separation from God. So I ask you this morning, church, I don't care whether you're two or 102, have you tagged first base? Not were you close, not were you the most valuable player, not did you play the part that you should have played. Did you tag first base? Because if you went on a second and you went on a third, it doesn't matter what the crowd's doing. They can cheer you on right into the fiery gates. Did you make a commitment to know Jesus Christ? Do you know him personally? Have you invited him, in him, have you invited him into your life? Not just having right belief. Personal invitation. Personally saying to God as you lay yourself before the Father and say, God, forgive me, forgive me for sinning, forgive me for not doing what you want. I give you everything. I am the good and the bad and the ugly. But today I want to say I tagged first base. Because the beautiful thing is, ladies and gentlemen, if you tag first base, it really doesn't matter in the end what the empire says. Because when you've tagged first base, you are securely fastened to the one who has given his life, his purpose for you. So I ask you in the beginning, as you look to the left, and as you look to the right, you ask the person, or you said to the person, you may be in trouble. And then you looked at yourself, I may be lost. This morning in this invitation, the invitation is very, very simple. It's to tag, it's to touch first base. It's to commit to Jesus Christ. It's to give him your whole, your whole outfit, the good and the bad and the ugly. So that I don't have to go on a fishing boat years from now and sit with you as a senior adult and you as a leader in the senior adult leadership say to me, Todd, I just hope in the end that what I've done 
has been good enough. Let me tell you, you and I will never do anything good enough to get us there. It's not about what we do. It's about what God has done in the person of Jesus Christ. And he gives us a hope beyond hope. So if you're playing a game in your life, if you've bought into this idea that all you really have to do is to know, to be smart, to be intellectual, you can know the Bible backwards and forwards in any language that you choose to know or want to know. You can know every fact. You can be far brighter, smarter than anybody in this room or in this world. But if you don't know Jesus personally, all the good in the world will not fan the fires of hell and prevent you from experiencing eternal damnation away from the God who has purposed you for far better. Have you tagged first base? Have you tagged first base? Have you tagged first base?